You're listening to an Anazal Ministries podcast. Have you ever wished that you could just hear the clear and present sign? Have you ever wondered what it would be like to be cast by the breath of a lion? Well, we're going to talk about all of that and more as we continue on our walk through Narnia. I am one of your hosts. I am Joe, and I am joined this time by Pastor Will. How are we doing? I'm doing great. It's good to be with you on this particular episode. I love these Narnia books and lo- and going back and rereading these stories um, was super, super fun. And and yeah, I'm Will Rose. I'm your uh, uh, one of your co-hosts. And uh, my new nickname is Wilbo Baggins uh, that TJ gave me not too long ago. And I'm going to uh, embrace that and and take and run with it. So don't there be surprised go. if you hear me introduce myself as, as Wilbo Baggins um, in the future. Nice. Yeah. So I'm curious, is this a book that you were exposed to younger or what is your history with, with the, the Narnia refresh my memory? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I was very, I was interested in them at a very young age. My church had uh, a library in it. And so when I was a kid, I remember like in the summer elementary school, my mom taking me by the church library and trying to pick out books for me to read over the summer. And I was just like, um, no, I don't like reading. I want to read comic books and look at surfing magazine, surfing magazines. And, but the original cover to like the original book of the silver chair had like this guy smashing a chair with a sword. And I was like, whoa that looks like a fantasy story. So I grabbed that particular book off the shelf and tried to read as a kid, but I was just not a strong reader. But when the the Narnia cartoon came out on like the CBS special, when I was a kid, I loved the story of Aslan. And I don't know if I soaked up the Christian allegory at that point, but just the fantasy story and talking animals I loved. And, um, and then eventually when um, I started reading a little bit more, when I, when I caught the bug of reading and, and enjoying reading late in high school, early college, gravitated towards C.S. Lewis's uh, work, uh, his theology, mere Christianity. And then um, as a camp counselor one summer, I, t- I took the Narnia books and uh, the Lord of the Rings with me to camp because that was a time before cell phones and scrolling and all that stuff. I was just going to be stuck in my cabin, you know, with, with kids and, and had my free time would be on my own. And so I, I took those books and read them, uh, reread them all through the summer. And it was a very magical time in my life and formation in terms of leadership and, and faith. So they had a very big impression. And, and The Silver Chair was one of the first books that I remember my mom just kind of put me saying, why don't you try this one? Uh, but enjoyed all of them. Um, as I reread them in college. So I, when I first uh, interacted with Narnia past just the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, I was laid up with an injury. And so I had a lot of time on my hands. So I got got my hands on the first one and I ended up powering through the entire series pretty quick. And it's, it's interesting when you're in a circumstance where like you get to string together a dedicated season of time, air quotes, to read a story like this, to experience a story like this, because uh-huh. it is what it is. Like from, from the beginning of this series, with every other voice that I've been sitting with, along the way, we keep talking about these, this idea of reflections of truth. 
and we get to this part of of the Narniad. You know, yes, the uh, Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe is what it is, but this is where you really get into reflections of really key concepts and ideas and i'm and and i'm I'm thankful that getting into this stage because we're almost done now going through the after this we've got one more you know jumping into this part of the the discussion that i'm with somebody that is is more prone to allowing the questions, allowing the media to ask the questions, right? We talk about yeah. exploring the deeper ideas behind these things. And in this particular case, you know, when you're when we talk about these different things like kingdom, when we talk about these things like having a relationship with God and all of that kind of stuff, some of those very building blocks that are involved in that when with what we're talking about with what that means are conveyed within the story that like you said is still a really good story even past you know all of the all of the tones sure. and all of the ideas and all of the ideals like for the people that are into this style of fantasy storytelling Narnia is top of the class you know i right i don't I don't put Lord of the Rings in the same style of fantasy as this in particular. So I don't necessarily let, you know, that's a different conversation to to juxtapose those two things. But I think for what it is, Narnia does it best, you know, and we Mm. get to see that through really good storytelling and, and these ideas that, uh, I mean, even, even you said you, there's, you read these things and you read something that's so close to the source material in concept from the voice of somebody like a Lewis. And you see that put in practicality, it does have an effect on forming you and shaping and, you know, the way your brain processes and those kinds of things. Yeah. And, and just the way, I, and I know there was kind of a rivalry or friendly, accountability between Tolkien and, and C.S. Lewis in terms of allegory or not and children to for children or not or what's for adults and those kinds of things. Um, but but really like, you know, if you if you're starting with if you're diving in Narnia, yeah, it's for a more for a younger audience audience, but as the story moves along, it it becomes more complex and more nuanced. So I, I think of like how the Harry Potter books went from, from, you know, he was a small kid and it's a little bit more lighthearted. And as the books went on, it became dark because it became older and same way with like Star Wars, you know, as it went along, it became more dark and more nuanced and complex and the universe grows. And here, as you're moving into, you know, the silver chair and, and other Narnia books, you move along towards the end. Um, they, they do become a little more nuanced, a little more complex, but those, you know, signs, the holding up the mirror of, of what life is and what our deepest desires are and what our deepest longings are, uh, are for, um, helps bring that up to the surface to examine it a little bit more, uh, which is why I, at that time in my life in college, when I was rereading these and paying attention a little bit more to the nuance and understanding the theological concepts, the philosophical concepts, the questions that they're wrestling with, man, I was going back and look at some of the books that I actually read in college and what I was underlining and writing in the margins. And what stuck out to me was like a time capsule of Will when he was, you know, 20 some years old. And it's kind of beautiful to see. And so that was kind of fun, um, That's funny. to relook at that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah. I, uh, 
you look at at this kind of this kind of story, I think it's interesting that you use some of the verbiage that you do because getting into the story here a little bit, we're picking up with Eustace and Jill and mm-hmm. Eustace. We talked about heavily last uh, last episode because he that's his big you know transformational moment. It's you know that he is the the star character of that moment, and now we see that you know that new uh, shades of that same kind of character type on Jill as you know right. we see uh, Eustace you know starting to. Count, you know, uh, coach her, I guess, you know, be there with her. You, you still see these images of, you know, in the beginning of the story, the characters were a little bit more archetypal, right? Like they, there's, mm-hmm. they're, you know, Peter is supposed to be this, Susan is supposed to be this, so on and so forth. I really, it really does feel like with the introduction of Eustace, that's where you start to get a little bit more human characters mm-hmm. in the series and that that have like i guess a shade of gray to them as much as you do in a, in the narniad you know what i mean i i understand but i still think that while the while the 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 action is not nearly as impactful i do think the morality tale of where the people are at i think that's where the weight is is you know more of a one for one comparison yeah, because at the end of um, Voyage of the Dawn Treader, uh, Edmund and uh, Lucy are told they can't come back um, right. or they aren't coming back. And, and there's a diff- new, new story for them um, moving on. But now this one, Eustace has his story and he's brought back. And I love, I, you know, the part of the beginning of these books are just so awesome because you're how C.S. Lewis draws people back into Narnia. Uh, you start with a wardrobe and then you had different creative means by which they're being pulled back into this particular universe, you know, um, magical land. And, and here you have another example of, of Eustace sharing his testimony. Are you going to believe me or not? Are you going to think I'm crazy or not? Uh, and then they're actually Jill and him are actually pulled into Narnia and then trying to figure out what that means. And we get to look through someone brand new to the, to, uh, to Narnia, see through her eyes, her eyes, what she believes or doesn't believe or what she's wrestling with, what, really is lying before her or not. And then Eustace being able to coach her, understand because he's been there before and, uh, uh, but also bring her along and, and they kind of have a, a team up uh, and adventure along the way. Yeah. I, it stuck out to me when reviewing for the episode that we see the end of Voyage of the Dawn Treader taking place in Aslan's country, not just Narnia. And mm. We see the pickup when they enter back in. It is into Aslan's country, specifically, versus going back into Narnia. And right. mm-hmm. it, it's an interesting pickup that that's that that's where the story begins. And what where when starting from that point that you know you go into the first interaction between Jill and Aslan. And this to me um, is like theological cotton candy because <laughs> it's so, it's such, it's such a flagrant reflection of truth. Like you, everybody and their mother understands what the, what, what 
at least to some layer that there is subtext to what's being said here. Now we get into the theological discussions and the actual stuff at some point, Mm -hmm. but the fact that this is willing to humanize that uh, a, a representation of that initial contact of, you know, thinking we understand, but then understanding that the thing has known us before it was calling out to us first and all of that. Mm, mm. The way that's conveyed here is so human and and stops to consider, you know, in stage acting, they call it stopping to smell the roses. You stop and you let the let the moment breathe, you know, and that moment breathes in this book that I, I think is something special to be considered because you know, yes, there is the fantasy element, but again, past that surface layer of the fantasy element is this truth of now understanding, you know, that, that, uh, that relationship and that, that interaction point and thinking about where, you know, what, where that relationship started, has that relationship started and you spin off into, the questions, the questions that you should be asking yourself as you poke and prod and push at the dimensions of what this reality makes sense about. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah that's good. And that initial encounter, what's the reaction? What's the belief, the, the disbelief, the doubt? Is this really happening? And getting to know and trust the other um, is, is beginning to un- unfold there. And it's interesting within this particular story that, that yeah, uh, Aslan gives Jill signs uh, to relay back to Eustace that he was going to say give to Eustace, but has to entrust him to Jill. Um, and and what I love about the nuance there is it's like C.S. Lewis is really getting at like yeah rules are important, um, but but faith uh, is shouldn't be reduced to a list of rules or a bunch of purity laws that it's, it's really these signs of being drawn into discerning and learning and, and, and figuring out how to direct our lives. And, and it's interesting to me that the, the third, the fourth gospel, uh, gospel of John, that within that gospel, um, the author doesn't call miracles, miracles. Uh, the author calls them signs, right? right? It's not just miracles for miracles sake. They're signs pointing to something else yes. uh, beyond a greater truth, a greater love that we're being drawn into. And so um, I love how C.S. Lewis brings up that theology of signs of, of discernment. Listen, hey, and it's not like, oh, you break this rule, uh, bad things are going to happen. It's like when you journey, there's going to be signs along the way that I want you to point, pay attention to, uh, right. and this is going to help you on your journey. And and so, it, and it points to a larger truth uh, that we're a part of, a larger narrative that we're a part of. And so, man, just right at the get go, I was like, yeah, here we go. There's some there's signs along the way, almost like a Pilgrim's Progress kind of version that he, that he has. But but as the journey goes along, what's going to happen? What's the mystery? Um, the minute we're driving into the stories, are they going to see the signs or not? And then us on the outside looking in going, no, 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 don't miss it. There it is. There it is. Right. <laughs> you know, kind of thing. And uh, we do with our friends, our relationships all the time. Right. And, and for those that haven't, you know, haven't read the book, A, go read the book. Um, but B, <laughs> that's, you know, Aslan positions all of this in a way of like the air is clearest up here you will these this is where you will clearly hear the the message and all of that 
as you go in and go through this, it's going to get muddied along the way. Try not to get confused and all of that. Mm -hmm. And that's why he has her repeat the signs over and over and over again until she can just say them, until she knows them. And that the fact that in this, C.S. Lewis is 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 positioning that to happen, but then writes a fallible um a fallible character enough to to okay, so these things happen and they have stakes. And that mm-hmm. is what also then positions because by this point we've already seen Aslan come in and you know they're they are falling off of a cliff and Aslan breathing and whisking them, you know, to safety. <laughs> so we are seeing that along the way Aslan's going to be stepping in and going to be, you know, um, providing, still providing the signs, even though as humans, we, we get confused. We don't, we, 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 this is where we stumble and this is where we need grace and all of that. And the beauty in all of this is, is if you take, if you take the individual components, you you get you can build an edible dish out of individual components, but it's not actually the recipe. And mm. and if you if you take all of this as um you know as you as you read through and take in this story, you're seeing um you're 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 seeing along the way things play out as they you know not how they seem like they would and you see the human characters struggle and and have to um rely on you know the, that that faith piece comes in and and all of that and mm. it's so it's human because you don't while it is pointing to you know an ultimate hero it's there there's still beats along the way that prove that there are stakes to be had and still there is a hero if that makes sense yeah yeah and i think as you journey and you as you're entrusted with these signs along the way we they're not doing it alone they they're in relationship with one another they're sent um people to, to help them along the way to help them see clearly and, and yeah there's people also along the way who will confuse things um kind of a sly tongue snake if you will that that will get in the way but the um um yeah this isn't as they travel down and even literally yeah from up high when the air is clear going down to an underland where things are very unclear and dark um you you have people along with you in the journey and that's to be honest, that's what we're doing with systematic geology, right? We're journeying through life together and talking about the narratives we love and what we geek out on, but also trying to lift each other up and um, point to a greater truth and and help us be the people that God is calling us to be uh, in life. So, um, yeah, and that's that's why this this book is almost a parable in itself that that reveals that truth as, as they go along. And you know, when you when you talk about actively walking with God, get into what it actually what that actually looks like and kind of the extent that is capable and all of that. Um it's is 
there there are non-negotiables that have to also go along with that if you are going to have that in authenticity. And mm-hmm. the the fact that it gets complicated, that's that that's one of them. It's not just a matter of your your giants will be slayed. It's a matter of sometimes you're gonna need to learn how to get back up from your giants and all of that kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. and the 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 three and four dimension of being able to speak to that while also say is stating in a resol in a resolutory kind of way what what that looks like what that you know what that is and and all of that that you know it is okay that it's going to be messy and imperfect and mm, all right. of those kinds of things that it's just something that I can appreciate something that in an authentic and godly way is trying to give hope. I understand it's not specifically a Christian book. I get it. But (laughs) it's C.S. Lewis that we're talking about here. You know what I mean? The story is what it is. And so, so yeah, I mean, I, I think that hope is not universally good if also colored by, by things that are not true or, or what have you. Um, I think that's, that, that's problematic, but I can always appreciate something that's trying to push for something that is authentically generating of hope and allows for people to be able to explore in a particular direction that they're not going to be disappointed from. You know what I mean? That it points in something that's authentically hopeful because here's the reality, right? We can't, it's not, hope hope is not something that is, that is readily, you know, offered by the world and all of that. And so, you know, yeah, there's let me up. There's always, you know, some fun to be had and all of that. There's levity outside of just things that point to Christian concepts, but hope and levity are two different things. You know, I, I look to any number of fandoms that we've talked about or that we haven't talked about yet that that are all levity. That's all good. Just there's a difference between something that's that's levity and something that's actively pointing to truth. Yeah, or you take hope and you try to make it a con- commodity um, yeah. that you're gonna you're gonna sell or or profit off of. You know, it's like oh, that's trending and people tend to like that, so I'm gonna try to monetize it or or make it a commodity or or something like that. And it's like nope, nope. There's deeper things here with that. And I think that's kind of what what CS was getting at with this with this story is. Um, you know, as you journey along and, and as you meet friends along the way, what, what are those authentic relationships? And, and, and the quest we're on is to free those who are bound by those things that weigh you down or enslave you and, and um, the release of the oppressed as Jesus priest uh, in his first sermon um, in Luke, like that those things is what we're called to. And, and yeah, what signs are we going to pay attention to along the way? And then, helping one another see that sometimes um, those signs can be unclear and uh, uh, try to point you in the right direction. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, this, this serves as um, depending on, on how you read this, uh, this can (laughs) serve as the penultimate story of for Narnia Um, one left after this. And that's the last battle. And so, um, yeah. And as, as the old school guy, as the guy, I, I got to say the original numbering, the legacy numbers, uh, yeah. it was originally book four. So, uh, right after voyage 
of the Don Shredder. It leads right into Eustace, but but I understand chronological order and why it's number six, but uh, right. I, it's always going to be number four uh, to me. <laughs> you know, it's it's interesting because our particular generation can speak to what it looks like multiple times over when somebody from a different generation picks up and continues and there's there's legacy where like prequels and trying to recontextualize certain parts of the story and all of that and we've seen it to to varying success and i'm not but those <laughs> that's going to be dependent on who you ask yeah but you got to give it to cs lewis that the way the up uh, either way that you read this it it works like mm-hmm. the, they work as prequels they work as you know um the a, a a chronological set as well and that right. that is talent that is something special when you can when when something can boast being able to to do that um you've got you've got that's the mark of a good storyteller and and that's you know a a fond thing that i will always look at c.s lewis for that he you know we talk about we talk about to varying ends when an ip has a message we've seen that Mm -hmm. done really really well we've seen that done really really poorly take your pick uh, whatever but it's something it's always going to have a soft spot in my heart when somebody can also just tell me a good story. You know what right. I mean? And that this this serving as a, a as the step before the end, I can I can appreciate, you know, where this sits in the story from either direction. Exactly. Yeah, I agree. Yep. So yeah, this is, you know, as as we bring this thing in for for the wrap up, you know, this is one of those that I would uh, I, I would suggest interacting with this if you've never depending on on your if you are more leaning towards allowing questions to be asked and being freer with that idea and all of that and you've never read read the Narnia ad before um this could be an entry point you know is it the mm. most you know succinct from a storytelling standpoint no but the quality of story is is such that it's a very good jumping on point to be able to understand a bit of who Aslan is what Aslan's country is what Narnia is all of that where you know then you can get into the full story as a whole but this is one of those that if you are if you are given to asking questions then do yourself the favor of of treating yourself to this because it's a safe place to be introduced to some questions that yeah then then workshop then actually ask and all of that kind of stuff but it, it it's an entry point to this idea of um eternality from the point of view of the of the thing that stands in in contrast to the infinite 
sort of thing. Like it, it's, it allows for that. And then also on top of it starts to beg the question, how does that impact the relationships that we have that, how does this one relationship? And let me tell you something, pulling the curtain back for a minute as somebody who pastors people, who walks with people, who shepherds people, all of those kinds of things. And I think I'm preaching to the choir when, when I say <laughs> this to you, conveying that idea of the relationship impacting your day-to-day relationships i mean yeah that's that's the sauce conveying that is something that's that's absolutely life-changing and so yeah i am gonna appreciate it from wearing that hat that 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 that's kind of that kind of thing is 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 addressed at least to some layer in this with with tact and eloquence yeah that's cool yeah, and you know, it's it's not. I don't think it's not by coincidence that the Ten Commandments, the first three, deal with our relationship with God, <laughs> and then the rest deal with with others. So you start off with no other gods, don't take the Lord's name in vain, and then the Sabbath day, and and all that is wrapped around nurturing a relationship w- with God, and then everything else flows from that with our parents and our neighbor, and and how our relationship to possessions and all those things are 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 entangled with one another, and so. So um, I think that's why these uh, stories that C.S. Lewis writes in the Narnia, in Narnia is that um, he he portrays that truth of of the importance of relationships and how they're all interconnected and entangled with one another. So how one reacts to Aslan, um, the signs and those along the way, and um, kind of like this fishnet that they pull behind them and what they carry with them is is very very important. Um, and yeah, it's, it's just a fantastic story. Again, yeah, there, there's those. Those moments where it's kind of archetypes of like, yeah, there's a villain and there's a mystery and then you're freeing somebody and you feel like he's told this story before in other books. But when you have new characters introduced in their personalities, it shows in a different way, which doesn't make it stale or something you're bored with. It it just uh, illumines again how he's a master of lifting up these themes of um, a call story, uh, forgiveness, uh, redemption, uh, freedom, those themes are, are all there through the lens of these new characters in, in Narnia. Yeah. I, I, I couldn't agree more, you know, uh, and that's, that's where I think, you know, we, for, for time memoriam, we were, we were talking about this a little bit before we hit, um, before we hit record about the fact that Netflix, um, currently <laughs> owns the rights to the movies, to producing the movies. And there's there's talk of a full on series that they're going to do and kind of, you know, uh, uh, dreamcasting that a little bit and having those kinds of conversations. But you you look at when this movie or when these books were written and you look at how they were written and the order they were written and the concepts that they tackle and all of that kind of stuff. There's a there is a reason why these these are still considered within the the pantheon of some of the best as far as literary works and they still have a place in the conversation and all of that kind of stuff um you know i think uh, and this is my own personal two cents i i i would wager that the closer that you get to telling authentic truth the more po- staying power you're going to have because it 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 reflects that that core truth and yeah. especially when you are when you are talking about the story uh, a storyteller the caliber of cs lewis like you know it's it's a no it's a no brainer to think that these things would have the kind of staying power that they do 
Yeah, that that resonate. Whatever resonates with you. That the reason it, it it's it's life life um, timeless, not lifeless. It's full of life. It's it's timeless that it carries across many generations. Is because the the themes resonate with with what all humans wrestle with. And I, I and I'm waiting for you know they made they they make the silver chair into a movie and they throw it up on Netflix and then you're going to have all those message boards be like why why are they copying um, J.K. Rawlings because there's like uh-huh. an owl and there's a snake and there's a witch and there's a uh, puddle gum and you know all these kind of all these characters I why are they copying Harry Potter and like no 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 this was first jk rawlings got got the ideas and themes from other folks and and we're out, you know no one's inventing anything new it's nothing new on the sun as ecclesiastes mm-hmm. says so we're all building off each other's stuff but but yeah this this one was first there's themes in here that was like oh yeah i'm reminded this came way before some of those those big characters in, in harry potter and other works that i'm, I'm seeing on netflix or fantasy genres yeah all right, so as we uh, bring this thing in for a landing, um, let the people know what you have been geeking out on and what uh, recommendations you have for everybody. Yeah, I um my my summer was so nuts, and then getting ready for the new school year and 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 new season here at the church. I'm I'm so far behind on my comic list and books, but I have been enjoying rereading these books for, for the episodes here on systematic ecology and, and can't, can't, um, recommend we go back and, and read them. And their quick reads are not super hard. They're, they're, they're YA, uh, in terms of level of, of the, the story they're telling, but, but it is, it resonates, um, it's good. Um, and then I know I'm, I mentioned this on other, uh, discussions with Narnia, but man, go check out the, the movie Shadowlands, which is, um, a book about C.S. Lewis and um, uh, a movie about C.S. Lewis and, and him wrestling with a problem of pain and and mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. It's not necessarily a full auto, a biography or biopic, but it is there. Anthony Hopkins plays C.S. Lewis. It's pretty good. Go find yeah. it and and watch it. Yeah, I watched that after the first Narnia Narnia uh, episode that we did, and that you mentioned it there. And yeah, it is. It is very good. It's pretty good. It holds up. It holds up. <laughs> yeah. Um, I have been – so uh, Sandman came out on Netflix, and mm. I uh, decided to download it and watch it. And boy, oh boy, is it is it phenomenal. I am a huge – You like it. So I haven't seen it. That's that's on my list because I'm way behind. I, is there sitting in my queue? I can't wait to go down that road, but I was I was curious what your thoughts were, what others in our community think of Sandman right now because I've read some of the graphic novels and know of it, but yeah. whether the series holds up. Um, I think uh, as, as somebody who is a huge Neil Gaiman fan, um, I think that this is a take that gets what Neil Gaiman was going for, and mm. I think that this is the, this is a very good portrayal. And I think some of the there there's been a couple of oddball things like at surface level from some of the outspoken people that that are taking random exception to random things. Um, but like any anybody who heard any of that ignore the nonsense and just to just just strap in for some storytelling and it is if if you are a neil gaiman fan then i would absolutely suggest it nice nice quick quick question sorry did you ever watch good omens did you watch good omens i did not you didn't as as, uh, we like that one too that's neil gaiman but but yeah yeah it's on my list i can't wait to get it now you made me more hype for it and that's what we do here 
we, we, we make recommendations and then we're like, can't wait to go, go see what we recommend to <laughs> go check it out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And honestly, if you've, if you've never, if you hear all of that and you're like, man, I've never read Sandman um, and the, the original run and what Neil Gaiman did, uh, do yourself the favor because there's a reason why that man changed how the medium of graphic mm-hmm. storytelling is take like what how that's actually taken and processed the dude changed the game with what he wrote yep. so do yep. yourself the favor absolutely so that's a wrap for um this stop in the narnia uh retrospective if you are finding yourself just absolutely in need of more Narnia goodness, we are doing a whole bunch of C.S. Lewis related content over at patreon.com slash systematic geekology. Um, help us keep the lights on and be able to hear us cut it up about the movies, um, talk about some of the differences between, you know, Lord of the Rings, Narnia, all of that. We're also going to be covering the Space Trilogy later on this year, so you'll be able to find all of that and more over there. But until next time, guys, remember, we are all a chosen people, a geekdom of priests. This was an Anazal Ministries podcast. If you enjoyed this show and would like to learn more about our network, be sure to check out the Anazal Ministries podcast network.